Good morning, friends. How are we doing? How blessed, how blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the path of sinners. How happy he will be if he doesn't sit in the seat of scoffers. But the one who delights in the law of the Lord and meditates on it day and night, that, that's the blessed man. The wicked are not like that, though. They won't be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season, whose leaf doesn't wither, who in whatever they do, they prosper. No, the wicked aren't like that. The wicked are going to be like chaff, which the wind drives away. For the wicked will not stand in the assembly of the righteous, nor sinners in the, in the assembly of, of all those who know and love God. But the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the, the wicked will perish. I am certain of that. And it is why... Part of the core value of who we are as a people as we gather together is to continually encourage each other to devote themselves daily to the word of God. Let me just welcome you. We, we are um, a gathering of people who have come to know the kindness of God. This is the time of year where we all need to know the kindness of God, isn't it? Because so much of um, what happens with New Year's and especially new decades, I mean, it happens every new morning. It happens every new week, every new month. We kind of see these as important times to kind of reset ourselves and go, hey, this year's going to be different. And, and a lot of us want things to be different. And so many of us have this weird even understanding of this verse in the book of Lamentations, which says that um, the Lord's loving kindness never ceases, his, his mercies uh, never fail. It says his loving kindness says that mercies are new every morning, which sometimes, you know, you can screw up by 9 a.m. in the morning like, crap, well, I got to wait till tomorrow morning for new mercy. It's such a wrong understanding. God is always ready to grab your heart and to bring you close to him and just start a new and fresh work. He's like, come to me, all you are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Don't, you have to wait till tomorrow. You don't have to wait until January 1st next year. If you've already messed up 2020, it's not too late. Every day, every moment, God is begging with you to be reminded of who he is. And he wants to say to you, something I've said a lot lately, no matter who you are, where you've been, what you can be is blessed. But you have to stop walking in the way of the wicked and standing the path of sinners and sitting with scoffers. And you got to delight yourself in the law of God because the law of God is, is not like, do this or you're busted. The law of God is like, look, you don't do this, it's not going to go well with you. Again and again, this revelation of God, it's not a rule book. It's not a moral teaching. It's not a leadership manual. It is a revelation, an unfolding of the word from God who loves you and wants it to go well with you. He explains why your world's screwed up. He explains why you keep screwing up your world. And he explains how he wants to redeem your life from the pit. But we have an enemy who's a liar and all he wants to do is say, no, God's not good, his word's not true, disobeying him's not that big a deal. What you need to do is just kind of numb yourself to your pain, distract yourself from ultimate things, Empty yourself of serious thought. Just kind of go along, get along, drift along, and maybe it won't be so intolerable. He's a liar. And God pleads with you to let him speak to your heart because he loves you. I, I, I know as a father how much I want my kids to go, just listen to me. I'm not trying to rip you off. I'm trying to set you up for a course of meaning and fullness and purpose and sleep that is sweet and have more joy and less scars. And every time I get done pleading with my children, I mean, every time if I, I shut the door to their bedroom or I stop the dinner conversation or the car ride, the Lord lovingly just puts his arms around me. He goes, Todd, as much as you think you want good for your kids, I want so much more good for you. Trust in me. Don't lean on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge me. And the way God speaks to my heart is through his word. What marks us, what makes us the people of God, and if you're a guest that's here this morning, you just need to know something. We are not here to punch a ticket. We're not here to do religious things so God's not going to be mad at us. God demonstrated his love for us and that while we're still sinners, 
Christ died for us. He gave himself for us. And we're trying to figure out who, what kind of God, what kind of God does this? Who seeks us in our rebellion, in our embracing a lie, and woos us with love and grace and kindness and truth. And then he, he wants to restore us. He wants to redeem our life from the pit, as I've already said. And then he wants to use us to rescue others from the same delusion that we have been enslaved to up until the moment where we've come to know him. We are here to remind ourselves of the greatness of our God, and we're here to remember how we should respond to him, not so he loves us, but because we love him when we see him for who he really is. And if we don't devote ourselves daily to the word of God, we're going to drift. And so we open up the word of God, and we read it corporately, and we read it individually. We, we have as our middle name community. Community is Watermark Community Church. And the reason it's there is because that, that's what God's created us to be. He, he calls us all to come individually before him and give an account for our own hearts and our own thoughts. But then he puts us in a family. We become a member of a flock. We're, we're a body. These are all things that are necessarily true of you if you are a part of the family of Jesus Christ. You don't just have a me and Jesus thing going on. It's impossible to have a just me and Jesus thing going on if you're a true follower of Jesus. He connects you to a people. And he wants you to grow in, in, in love and in depth and in intimacy with those people. And then there are always six things that those people do together. It's what we do corporately and it's what we do individually. So listen, our world is made up of nation states. Those nations... Um, are often made up of either regions or provinces, or in our land, they're made up of states. Those states are made up of counties. Those counties are made up of cities. Those cities are made up of families, and those families are made up of individuals. And typically, as the individual goes, so goes the family. As the family goes, so goes the, the larger neighborhood, and the neighborhood goes the city, and as the city goes the counties, the counties go the state, as the states go the nations, as the nations goes the world. And I, I tell people all the time that... Um, that, that most relationships are only as healthy as the least healthy person in the relationship. That's why God is just so zealous for you not to yoke yourself to somebody who doesn't want to be about what you want to be about. And so part of what we are about so that we can be the individuals that make up the families, that make up the family of God that lives in this city and affects our county and affects our state and our nation and our world, the thing that we've got to do continually is remind ourselves of what our loving Father wants for us. So we devote ourselves daily to the word of God. And we don't just devote ourselves daily to the word of God um, individually. We, we also pursue one another relationally because that's another means of grace that God gives us. It's how we feed our soul. How, how do you feed your soul? If it's not with the word of God and with the echoing and the admonishment and the encouragement of the people of God, your soul's not being fed the way that God says it should be fed. You're going to see that we also know that because we're prone to wonder and feed our flesh, we, we often... Um, have to spur each other on to live authentically about this is where I'm feeding my flesh poison and this is where we admonish each other faithfully so that we would turn from the things which corrode our soul. And when we speak into others' lives because we want to feed others, we, we counsel biblically and we engage missionally. It's what we do. Those are the six core values of life together for believers. Devoting daily and pursuing each other racially. Relationally, it's how we feed our souls so that we can help each other not feed our flesh in inappropriate ways. We live authentically and admonish faithfully. We're going to focus on that next week. And then we're going to focus on how we engage missionally because we are here to not just make a living, but to make a difference. And so we gather like this and what we are is we're a collection of communities that are a collection of individuals. And if those individuals, you and I, as believers in Christ, are not sitting with the Father often and having him speak to us, it will not go well with us. I wish I had time to read with you through Deuteronomy. I mean, like, read through Deuteronomy. And if I could just pick one place, you know, it would be um, in, in chapter four, where it is God, through Moses, begging the people again and again and saying to them, the reason I've given you these words is so that it would go well with you. I'm not mad at you. You're my child. 
when Moses was talking to them a little bit later in Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 47, he says, this is no idle word. I-D-L-E. This is no idle word for you. What's idle? Idle means it just kind of sits there and smokes a cigarette. You got six of them. They're stacked on a shelf. It means it's not put to work. No, this is the word that is to go to work in you so that it can produce in you life indeed. So God wants your days to be filled with the things that are prosperous and joyful and blessing. That's not always materially. It's not always healthy. It's not always circumstance. It's just a strength of spirit that causes the world to marvel at you. This is our God. This is our God. And so we devote ourselves daily to hear from him that we might be ready in every test. It says, he who is slack in a day of distress, his strength is limited. And God raises men. He raises people that are fortified cities with walls of bronze and pillars of iron. That the world and all of its chaos thrown up against it, that there will be some that still sing and live with hope and strength and dignity and who smile at every future. Who doesn't want that? God wants it for you. And this is why we devote ourselves daily, individually, corporately. And as we pursue one another, we spur each other on to more of the Father's world in us. Let me tell you what happens if we don't do that. If we give ourselves to frivolous and fleeting things. Uh, one of the ways to find out what's been going on in 2019, right, is to um, go to our good friends at Google and go, Google, what have we been thinking about for the last year? In the last number of um, uh, years, Google has done this. They've told us what America has been searching for, what has been at the tip of our curiosity and made us um, at least want more information about something. And so here are the top 10 searches on uh, Google this last year. The number one thing we search for is Disney Plus. <laughs> like, like, okay, so these movies that we used to get to watch for free and own, we're paying, what, nine bucks a month now to do that? ESPN is already on my cable network and already on my uh, satellite. I got to pay to get certain other things with that. What's this Disney Plus deal? Uh, secondly, Cameron Boyce. And some of you are like, who's Cameron Boyce? Right, we'll Google him, all right? He's a young man, a child actor in a Disney show that died apparently tragically. Uh, and then, of course, we got Nipsey Hussle, um, who was um, assassinated or murdered as part of a, 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 you know, um, the hip-hop world. Hurricane Dorian, that might make some sense. What's going on here? How can I get information about it? And then you get down to some other people who kind of crashed onto pop culture. These are the things that we most search for. Those are the top five most searched for things in 2019. How about this? These are the top five news stories. Hurricane Dorian, right? The Notre Dame Cathedral. Do you remember that? Was like, oh my gosh, like that was this year. That, that little fire happened in Paris. The Women's World Cup, okay. The Area 51 raid. Okay, what's going on? I don't want to miss that. <laughs> Copa America, a little soccer made its way there in the top 10. Uh, what is? Uh, what is Area 51? All right, we want to know what that is. Because apparently everybody's going there. So I, I want to know what's going on. What's a Visco girl? Right, how many of y'all even know what Visco is, right? You, yeah, yeah. All the girls out there wearing little scrunchies, right, and wearing their Brandy Melville clothes, right? Carrying cute little backpacks, and they got their puka shells on, their vans, right? That's that's a Visco girl. Posting their heavily filtered pictures, all right. Anyway, now you know. All right, what's Momo? Momo. Momo is um, basically a creation of uh, a, a Japanese special effects firm um, that then kind of became an internet hoax and led to some real tragic stories. That's what Momo is. All the way down to number five, what is quid pro quo? I, I don't know what's going on in Washington, D.C. if I don't know this Latin phrase. What is quid pro quo? Well, here's quid pro quo. You, you, sow, to the whirlwind, uh, you sow to the wind and you'll reap the whirlwind. That's what it is. You get this for that that a man cannot um, walk in the counsel of the wicked or stay on the path of sinners or sit in the seat of scoffers and have delight in his soul. 
A man can't give himself to frivolous things and be a person of fortitude and meaning. That's quid pro quo. And your father doesn't want you to be Googling the way the world Googles. Now, what's really interesting is that um, in this last year, there's, there's also our good friends up there at the Uversion Bible app. And what they have done for the last number of years is they have um, noted what Bible verses are the most highlighted, the most shared, the most copied, the most uh, forwarded verses in all of Scripture. So the Bible app has been um, radically changing how we read our Bible. So the Uversion Bible app is the most popular Bible app in the world. And for the last three years, they've noted what the most focused on verses is. Now, given what we're Googling, what do you think those verses are? Well, I will tell you, for the last three years, the most copied, highlighted, and forwarded verses on the Uversion Bible app have all dealt with the exact same topic. What do you think the topic is? Anxiety. This year, it was Philippians 4.6. Philippians 4.6 says, um, be anxious, man, for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. And then it says in verse 7, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Verse 8 says, man, whatever is true and honorable, right and pure and lovely, Whatever is excellent, if there's anything worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these things. It's Paul pleading with you to not be Googling as the world does, but to be the blessed man or woman who devotes daily to think about substantive truth. So what is more true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and worthy of praise than God himself? By the way, that's exactly what Philippians 4.8 is talking about. It doesn't say don't watch bad stuff, which certainly is true. What it's saying is, is don't just flee immorality, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on God from a pure heart. That's the pursue relationally, one another. All of us. God is zealous for us because he cares for us. He doesn't want us to be 40. The year before that, it was Isaiah 41.10. Isaiah 41.10 is just this. Fear not, for I am with you. Don't anxiously look about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. The year before, it was Joshua 1.9. Surely, it says in, um, in Joshua 1.9, it just says, be strong and courageous. You know, for I'm your God, I'm with you wherever you go. Don't, you don't need to melt. You don't need to fear. And right before that, it says, this book of the law should not depart from your mouth so that you might be careful to do, not just to read, but to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you'll have success. Do you see a theme here? It doesn't surprise me at all that our God is... Um, trying to say, man, some of what you're giving your heart to is, is not going to lead to peace. It's not going to lead to prosperity. It's not going to lead to success. Do you know, and I've said this before, you know that this is the first time in 100 years since the Spanish influenza and World War I. It's the first time in 100 years that life expectancy in America has decreased. Life expectancy has gone down uh, in 2019, 2018, 2017, First time since the Spanish influenza devastated our world and a world war devastated our world. Why? Well, the Centers for Disease Control will tell you why. Because what has happened is there's been a spike in opiate overdoses. There's been a spike in, in, um, uh, in people that have um, used drugs to the point that it cost them their life. There has been a spike in liver disease which comes from people trying to numb their soul from the anxiety and the Googling that's all around them. And there's been a spike in suicide. Deaths of despair are why life expectancy continues to go down. I, I say this a lot. The re, when we 
ask our young adult community what they want to hear about. It's not sex and dating. It's not their most anticipated topic. The most anticipated topic is anxiety. Speak to me about peace. It tells you a lot that Nipsey Hussle and Cameron um, were the, the, the top couple of guys that were, were are Googled because um, that generation is the one that mostly feeds on, on social media and things of that sort. And their hearts are the ones that are most anxious. But boy, we have taught them these things, all of us. And our father is trying to call us back to devote ourselves to the thing which will give us peace. It's him. It's him. Now, here, here's what I want to encourage you with. Your father isn't even upset that you're anxious. He's not, he's not upset with you, but, but he loves you. I mean, um, I, I got a, an incredible, encouraging note. One of my kids was out somewhere recently, and one of the folks that was with him just wrote me a note, just said, man, your, your son, I love the way he loved his family and led his wife and cared for his child and um, was just a joy and a blast to be with. He made the whole thing better. Well done. And I just, you know, I, I just sun back, just 3 John 4, which is just, man, there's no greater joy than to see your children walking in the truth. You're his children. And there's nothing that God loves more than for his community of children to have hearts that smile at the future. There's nothing God loves more than to see his children who have strength in days of distress. Because we're just secure. We, 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 we sing, we have hope, and we grieve because we, we're not ignorant, but we grieve differently than the world does. We don't grieve as those who have no hope. And God wants that for you. And it's not just going to come magically. It's going to come when you devote yourself daily to the God who is the source of your strength. My, my friends and I, who I pursue relationally, that I feed my soul by, by daily diving into God's word, not in preparation for you, but in preparation for my day, my life, my, my heart. And as I read God's word, um, I share it with friends and friends share it with me yesterday. I, I, I got no less than seven or eight forms of communication from those that I'm in community with. I mean, so much so I have to, when I'm reading God's word, I've got to turn my phone off. Like, would you guys stop telling me what you're learning in God's word so I can just read God's word or just pray or just be quiet on my own. My community who pursues me relationally is always sharing things with me. There's a book that I have recommended incessantly over the last number of years by J.C. Ryle. It's the most awful titled book that I can imagine. It's titled Thoughts for Young Men. And the reason it's an awful titled book is because this is not for young men. It's for young women. It's for old women. It's for old men. It's for anybody who is willing to just reflect on God's word a little bit. J.C. Ryle is who pastors your pastor. I read all I can about J.C. Ryle because I see in him things that I want to be true of me as I live with my family and my friends and you. And this is a book, it's easy to read. I reread it and read it and share it and push it on. And my friends are reading it with me right now. And one of the things that they sent yesterday is just a little excerpt from this one um, section which talks about one of the dangers to young men is a thoughtlessness in life. And, and Ryle writes this, want of thought is one simple reason why thousands of souls are cast away forever. Men will not consider. They won't look forward. They won't look around them. They will not reflect on the end of their present course and the sure consequences of their present ways. And then all of a sudden, they'll awake at last to find they're damned for want of thinking. In other words, they spend their life Googling trivial things. And they spend their life being a distracted pursuer of, of things that, that will lead to anxiety. And all the while, there's a loving father who's just saying, hey, I, I don't want that to be your story. I, I, want, I want strength and dignity to be your clothing. There's thoughts for young women out of Proverbs 31. And, and, and God is begging you to consider your ways. The reason we devote ourselves daily to God's word is because um, 
He wants you to be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water that will yield its fruit in season, whose leaf wasn't wither. And whatever he does, he'll prosper. Because God wants it to go well with you. The reason God wants you to consider your ways and to reflect on his word and devote yourself daily to his word is because he doesn't want you to be conformed to the world. You're not of the world. Your father is not in this world. This isn't your home. You've been rescued out of the domain of darkness and called into his marvelous light if you know him. And if you're here today, this can be your day where that's true of you. There's no probationary period. You just got to go, I'm sick of the pit. I'm sick of despair. I'm sick of my 2019. And I'm going to show you something about your God. He is so tender towards you. And he's zealous for you to come and dine with him. He's not waiting for you to seek him. He stands at the door and knocks. He stands at the door of 2020 and you've blown the first five days of it. He stands at the door of January 5th. And he just says, today, will today be the day you come in and dine with me? And don't just have some religious amulet, some little, some little token, some little Bible reading that, that okay, I read my Bible, my, my, you know, my three verses a day, and my, my work through the Bible in a lifetime reading plan, where I go, okay, check, right? I don't have a little app that puts up one verse on my phone every day, and I kind of look at it like it's some fortune. No, I, devote, devote. How blessed is the man, the scripture says, who meditates on it day and night. Joshua, again, I quote to you, this book of law should not depart from your mouth. You should speak Ephesians 5 with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to one another. What fills up your mouth? Are you talking more about Nipsey Hussle and Cameron Boyce and Visco Girls? No wonder you're filled with anxiety. Or the teaching of kindness on your tongue. Don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed. Let the word of God transform you by the renewing of your mind. Why? Watch this. So that your life might experience, might prove out the good life, the acceptable life, the perfect life for the human experience. That's what the word of God is. Can I tell you, we don't read our Bibles so that God can be impressed by us and we can impress others. We read our Bible because it is not an idle word. It is our life. And it is the means through which we will be protected from error and thoughtlessness and things which lead to anxiety and despair. And so we remind ourselves of what is true and who is true and honorable and right and pure. And we follow him. Are you devoting daily? One of the things that was encouraging to me um, as I was around um, just different ways that people communicate today, specifically some social media forums, is a number of my friends I, I saw posting reading plans, Bible reading plans. And um, I was really encouraged. If you're not familiar, we've got a Bible reading plan here. It's called Join the Journey. And um, we're reading the longest and shortest books of the Bible this year. We, we decided about 15 years ago, to every year produce a Bible reading plan that we corporately would all share in. That every day we would, we would be processing over scripture together. And so every day in our, our Join the Journey, if you'll just sign up, we'll send you first email in the morning, a little bio by the guy or gal who wrote it as a member of our body, uh, a central truth, a key verse, and then a 300-word short devotional, and then three or four questions of application, and then even a chance for you to pursue scripture relationally with other people and ask questions and get further insights into the text. So jointhejourney.com, jump in with the thousands, tens of thousands of others who are doing it. But I was so encouraged to see a number of people that were um, joining me and others. I'm, I'm, I am reading through the Bible again in 2020, the, the, the whole thing systematically, chronologically. And, um, and so I just want to read every single word of God's word again this year. And um, I was encouraged to see a number of other folks that were doing that. But one of the things that kind of popped up was curious to me was, was somebody just said, hey, this is the reading plan that I'm using. And I'd seen it before, but I was never really curious about it. This is what it looked like. It, it, it had this thing up there and it was called, I didn't even know how to pronounce it. 
And it just confused me when I read that. I looked at it, what, what, what is that? It's, it's, there's, there was a chronological reading plan, there was a periscopic reading plan, and then there was this one, this, this what I thought maybe was French, and all this, and so I did what anybody would do when they don't know who Nipsey Hussle is. I Googled it. And I just go, who is that? And so it happens to be the name of a Scottish pastor. It's not French, it's Scottish. It's Robert Merrick McShane, and that is such bad Scottish. But McShane, that's his name. McShane was a pastor in the 19th century, the 1800s, that had the same idea that we had here about 15 years ago. We've got to get our people in the Bible. And what he wanted his people to do was to have regular Bible intake. And so he sat down and he came with, up with what's called the McShane reading method. It was so effective that others in different parishes began to adopt it and it's been preserved now for, yea, 150 years. And it's just a way to read through the Bible systematically through the year. Now here's what's so interesting. In some other reading that I was doing, completely unrelated to this, in another book by J.C. Ryle, I was reading along, and there was a contemporary of J.C. Ryle was Robert Murray McShane. Ryle was in England, McShane was in Scotland, and um, he was observing the character and the, the, the power of the ministry and the parish that McShane led. And he said that he was somewhere and he bumped into somebody who was a member of McShane's parish, which this is so interesting. I never understood what this thing was that I'd seen before in Bible reading plans. I finally looked it up. I go, oh, that's a pastor from Scotland. Then I'm reading in a book that's talking about a pastor at an effective parish and whose messages were powerful. And J.C. Ryle says that he bumped into this woman and she said this to him about Robert Murray McShane. She said, listen, Pastor Ryle, if you've read all his works, you know nothing about him at all. You must see the man. You must have heard the man. You must know the man. And you must have been in company with the man to know what a man of God Pastor McShane is. Now, why do I read that to you? Because you need to know this. What that dear woman who was a member of his congregation was saying is, hey, listen, you think his sermons are good that you podcast or in that day they printed them on leaflets and handed them out? J.C. Ryle, you ought to know him. This is what the word of God does. Can I just tell you a dirty little secret about this job? There's lots of guys who are podcast and printed and popularized who are not men you want to share company with whose families are a wreck and who themselves are a wreck. It is, it is one thing to be up here in a one-to-many scenario and go, wow, that's a man of God. It's another thing to live with people and to watch them and to engage with them and to have said about them that this is somebody whose company, if you're with them, you will know what a man of God they is, not by some learning of oratory skills and ability to communicate and assimilate information in a compelling way. That doesn't make you a man of God. What makes you a man of God is that you're a man of God. I can remember a long time ago, somebody asked me this simple question. He just said, Todd, are you a man of God? Actually, somebody said, he said this to me. He said, do you want to be a man of God? Yeah. Does God want you to be a man of God? Well, yeah. Are you a man of God? And see, all of us, when we get to that third question, when I ask you, are you a man or are you a woman of God? If you answer that third question, no, I really am not, it's because you answered that first question wrong. Because you don't really want to be. Because you have a father who is desperate to help you. The second question is, does God want you to be a godly man or woman? Yes. So if you're not, it must be because we'd rather just Google our life away. God's trying to rescue you from that pit. Let me just give you one more little antidote and we're gonna dive into more of God's word. Quote a ton to you, but I'm gonna take you to John 20 and 21. I'm gonna show you who your father is. This is why you devote yourself daily to the word of God so you can be encouraged. But um, this, this is a, a picture of a guy named Henry Martin. Uh, Henry Martin, I, I, I um, had known of Martin. He was a great missionary 
um, actually wanted to be a missionary and couldn't be because of some financial troubles that his family ran into, and so he had to get a job, and so he took a job as a chaplain in the British East India Company where they would go and, um, and be a part of the, the great world trade that British and Indian uh, commerce was. And when he would go as a chaplain on a boat with the British East India Trading Company, and he would get to a place while the boat was unloading and restocking, he would learn languages and he would begin to minister to people. While this guy was a chaplain, he died by the time he was 31. From the time he was 21 to 31, he had translated either the entire Bible or parts of the Bible or the Book of Common Prayer into Hindustani, Urdu, different Persian languages, and Arabic. I mean, the guy was about it. Here's what's so interesting about him. When he was 21, he was on his way to a bar. His, um, his previous year had not been spectacular, maybe like yours. But there's a God that's always knocking. And on his way to a bar, he bumped into a guy named Charles Simeon, who at Cambridge was, was discussing what made young men great. And he stopped and listened. And, and as um, Simeon started talking about what made young men great, he was talking about Jesus. And he's talking about what Jesus wants to do with young men's lives. And it captured Henry Martin's heart. And Henry Martin became a disciple of Charles Simeon. And his life was radically changed. And he couldn't be a missionary because of financial troubles. So he got a job as a chaplain. And he translated the Bible into four different languages. From 21 to 31, then he died tragically. Well, Charles Simeon, his, his mentor, did not die. Charles Simeon continued to live um, into his 70s, but he kept a picture of his young disciples, his young disciple in his bedroom. So here was Henry Martin on his way to a bar that heard the teaching of the word of God. His life was changed and became a source of encouragement to Charles Simeon, who God did not take home, but left here to be more about what God wanted him to be about. Now watch this. When, 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 when Charles Simeon died, he gave the painting that I just showed you of Henry Martin to the Cambridge Art Museum, and it's still hanging there. But it was well known that on a regular basis, Charles Simeon would stand before the painting of Henry Martin, and he would say, it always seemed to say to me the same thing. Charles Simeon, don't trifle. Don't trifle, Charles Simeon. Remember whose you are. Remember whom you are. And he always heard Martin, who gave his life for meaningful things, say that to him as he tarried. And he would say verbally back to it, I will not trifle. I will not trifle. I will not forget. You need a Henry Martin. I need a Henry Martin. Your community group ought to be that to you. Are you trifling? What did you Google today? What was your Bible intake today? Do you remember whose you are? Do you remember whom you are? Do you want more comfort? Do you want more things? You want more vacations? You want more places that you can go and make a living? Or are you going to make a difference? Do you know whose you are and whom you are? Do not trifle. I need that. You don't need a picture of Henry Martin every day when you slip your little necklace around your neck. There's a cross that is hanging there that's saying to you, do not trifle. Do you know whose you are? Do you know whom you are? You are the church of Jesus Christ, purchased with his own blood. This is no idle word. Let it go to work. Let me, um, let me encourage you. I, I, want this, I, mean, I want you to be encouraged. I don't want you to walk in here and go, man, crap. Right? Because I, I, I'm like you. I, I need to constantly be brought back. John chapter 20, verse 30 and 31. What, what, what Paul, what, what John, excuse me, writes there in this particular part of the text is he just says, listen, there are so many other things that Jesus performed in the presence of the disciples, you know, which, which are not written in this book, but I've written the things in this book that I needed to write so you can know who Jesus is so that you could believe that he is God, that he's the Christ. And so that believing, you might have life in his name, 
And so having life in his name, you would know whose you are and who you are and that you wouldn't trifle. That's why John wrote this book. Every week when we come in here, we hand you a Watermark News. And Watermark News is are, are, are living stories of people who have engaged with Jesus. I, I was reading somewhere this week um, about somebody who was concerned about things that Christians were doing. And it cracked me up what they wrote. This is a person who was angry at Christians and, 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 and how they thought, you know, she thought they were representing themselves. And she goes, I swear to you, I know that Jesus is rolling over in his grave right now. <laughs> and I thought to myself, all right, look, Lady, I don't know what Jesus is doing, but let me tell you what he's not doing. He's not rolling over in his grave. Muhammad, he might be rolling over in his grave. Buddha, he could be rolling over in his grave. Jesus is not rolling over in his grave. For God raised him with power, declaring him to be the Son of God. He is seated at the right hand of God the Father. He is interceding for his church, and he is going to return quickly in order to recompense men according to their deeds and to judge the living and the dead. He ain't rolling over in his grave. But I will tell you, he is praying that you would not trifle. And he is praying for you that you would not be thoughtless and conform to the world. And that you would believe, and having believed, that you would have life indeed, and your life would indeed be different. In John 21, it says that Jesus says, you know, after these things, this is an interesting little text, after these things, what are these things? Well, the triumphal entry, the cleansing of the temple, the betrayal of a trusted friend, the promise of a new kingdom, the arrest of Jesus, the, the failure of Peter, the crucifixion, the resurrection, different reappearances, after those things. That's all 2019. And now in John 21, we're in John, if you will, 2020. Now here's the problem. Peter had a really bad end to 2019, maybe just like you. It says that Jesus again manifested, made himself known to his disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, which is the Sea of Galilee. And he manifested himself in this way. Simon Peter and Thomas called the twin and Nathaniel of Cana. And the whole gang was back together. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, and a couple other disciples. They were all together. And what were they doing? They weren't making a difference. Their AD 32, 33 wasn't their best year. And so I want you to, the reason we're about to look at this text, this is, I'm, I'm doing this because I want you to see why you devote yourself daily and why you should pursue one another relationally as Christ is, is in you and you're experiencing life from him. Because Jesus is never concerned about our 2019s. He's always concerned about our 2020. I mean, listen, some of us have work to do to, to make amends and to confess and to clean up, and that's part of what Jesus will give us the strength to do, our 2019. But what he says is, let's, let's just focus. Let's, let's begin to turn that around. Let's redeem your life from the pit by doing the things that redeemed people do. I want you to see who Jesus is. And you only get to know who Jesus is, is when, when, when you focus on what is true and honorable, right and pure and lovely, you focus on Jesus. And so watch this. This is so great. They were all together, these disciples up by the Sea of Galilee, and Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. I'm, I'm going back to what I used to do because clearly I'm a failure. And they said, well, listen, we'll go with you. You're kind of our leader. Peter was that, the spiritual leader. They went out and they got in the boat, and that night they caught nothing. Can I just note, this was not because of chance they caught nothing. Nothing is ever because of chance. The Lord is in everything. He's always up to something. And, and one of the evidences, I believe, that, that um, well, one of the ways you can tell that you really are a disciple is that you can't just go back to what you were doing before you knew Jesus and have great success. Let me say it to you this way. If you're having a lot of success going back to what you used to do before you came to know Jesus, it should really trouble you. If you say, I met Jesus in 2019, 2018, or 2000, or 1967, I don't care. If you say, you, you've come to know Jesus, but you go back to being indifferent to spiritual things. You go back to not caring about men on the precipice of eternity of judgment. If you go back to uh, 
bondage to sin, if you go back to coarse jesting, if you go back to frivolous living, if you go back to obsession with comfort and wealth, and you're having success there, (laughs) it should concern you. It's a tell. Because um, people whose lives have been regenerate don't have success living and dwelling in sin. One of the evidences that I have that I'm a believer, because I still, at times, don't cherish and love my wife the way Scripture says I should. I still um, am prone to wonder and leave the God I love, but but I'm never happy there. I'm prone to Google Nipsey Hussle and be obsessed with visco girl things but I'm never content there. It always is a catch of nothing. And I come to my senses quickly. And God brings me back to a non-trifling way of life. If you are fishing the where the world is fishing and having all the success of the world, it's evidence that you're probably of the world. Don't love the world. For the one who loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Let me just wake you up. If you're okay in 2020 living a BC life, it's probably because you've not yet met Jesus. They caught nothing. And Jesus said to them, children, you don't have any fish, do you? It's not working out for you. There's, there's nothing but anxiety and despair there. And they answered, no. And he said to them, hey, cast the net on the other side of the boat. You'll find a catch. And as they cast, they weren't able to haul it in because of the great number of fish. And Peter, God used that just to open up his eyes and said, it's the Lord. It's the Lord. Only God can give this kind of prosperity and peace. What are we doing out here on our own again? And, And we know he ran towards him. Now, here's what I want you to see. This is for you. Fast forward with me to verse 15. Because Jesus wants you to dine with him. Because when you devote yourself to him and dine with him, you're going to remember what a kind and tender and loving God he is. So here's the exchange. And I I want to say this to you. I don't care what your 2019 was. You got to decide what your 2020 is going to be. When he finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you agape me? The word agape there is the word for love. We've heard all about these words of love. If you haven't, just tune in quickly. Agape is the word for unconditional, sacrificial, unending Eternal, perfect, Yahweh, God-like, rescuing love. He just said, Peter, do you, do you love me like that? And Peter responded, Lord, you know that I phileo you. Phileo, Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. Peter didn't even answer his question. He said, you know I don't. If I loved you that way, the last time I was around a fire like this, I wouldn't have denied you three times. I don't feel like I'm worthy of you. I don't feel like my AD 33 can be useful to you because my AD 32 or my 80, 30 days ago was not very good. And so I'm sure you're done with me. I'm sure you, you, you are frustrated by me. I'm frustrated by myself. But Jesus wants him to fellowship. Jesus wants to remind him who he is. And part of the secret to you understanding the strength that God wants to give you is you gotta understand who you are. And Peter understood, hey, I don't love you the way I popped off that I would. Hey, even if everybody forsakes you, I'm all in. I'm gonna have a perfect 2020. No, you're not. There's not a single person in this room who's got a perfect 2020. But there's not a single person in this room who doesn't have a loving Savior who wants to constantly convict you of your drifting towards fishing, pull you out of your trifling, and bring you back to a life of meaning and significance. But you need to pursue the body. You need to stop attending church and tend to God's business. You need a community that devotes itself daily to God's word and pursues each other relationally and spurs each other on into righteous faith of peace. And Jesus was that community. Now watch this. Do you agape me? No, you, you know I phileo you. And he said, well, I want you to still, I, I, still, I want you to tend my sheep. It says a second time in verse 16, Simon of John, do you agape me? Love me unconditionally and sacrificially in a perfect way. Lord, you know that I phileo you. I'm just, I'm just a man. I love you and the best I can like a brother, but I'm not able to love you perfectly. Jesus says, well, shepherd my sheep. Now, this is what's so tender. I read this text hundreds of times before I took the time to see what Jesus did in verse 17. 
Jesus said to him the third time, Simon, do you phileo me? And Simon said, yes, yeah, I, I phileo you. And in effect, what Jesus said is, that's enough, Simon. I just need you to do the best you can. And I know that you're a man. That's why I died for you. I know that you won't be strong. You, you can't do anything without me, but you need me. And if you'll devote yourself to me, we'll change the world. The gates of hell won't stand against us. It's Christ in you that's the hope of glory. But you need to be devoted to me, Peter. Your phileo is enough if my agape is yours. If you'll just fellowship with me and trust in me and devote yourself to me, I'll use you to tend my lambs, shepherd my flock, feed my sheep. But you need me, Peter, and without me, you can't do anything. You can't catch fish, and you certainly can't redeem the lives of others from the pit. Do you believe in me? And this is the question you need to hear. This is why you read your Bible, so God can lift up your head and encourage you. I don't care what your 2019 has been. I don't even care what your January 4th was. I want to know, who do you say Jesus is on this January 5th, and are you ready to not trifle? Will you devote yourself daily with me to the word of God? Will you pursue each other relationally? so that we can be what God wants us to be for his glory and our good. Will you? I pray you will. Father, if there's somebody here who has never come to understand your tenderness and your love and your kindness, <coughs> the way you redeem lives from the pit, I pray that they would meet you for the first time today. That they would see you in your love and they would see you in your perfection. They would see you on your cross and they would quit trying to perform to be good enough for you because we're not good enough for you. Thank you that you demonstrate your love for us and that while we're still sinners, you died for us. If there's anybody here who, who has never believed in your grace, I pray today would be their day. And Lord, for those of us who do, thank you for this word. Would you be our Henry Martin? Would the cross be that thing that we stand before every day and say, I will not trifle. I will not trifle. Lord, we want to be your church. We don't want to ever go to church. We want together to be a source of life and grace individually in our families so our families collectively can be a blessing in our church, in our community, in our county, in our state, to our country, to our world. Oh, Lord, redeem us from Googling fleeting things. And let us put your word to work in our lives. May we do it together, always depending on you. Thank you for grace today. Let us dine with you always in Jesus' name.